One of the keys to reducing the size of government, reducing our reliance on government, uh, and, and reducing uh, this idolatry of government, really, where we put government above absolutely everything God instituted, ordained, and demands, requires of us, is self-reliance, um, independence, our ability to look after ourselves and not outsource our thinking and health and everything to government. But the other side of that, especially from a Christian doctrine point of view, and a very much Menzian liberal point of view, is also that we are reliable and that we are dependable and we are there for others as well. Uh, but I'm sitting down today with a couple of counsellors who have a great deal of experience, uh, both in their own stories and lives and in helping others to be the most intentional and the most well-equipped to navigate this increasingly toxic world. So in this episode of The Church and State Show, we are going to be exploring their stories and as well as strategies that you can put into your life uh, to help you be intentional, really great parents. And, and look, no parent's perfect, but we all, I think, aspire to be the best we can be and better. So I hope this information really helps you. Stay tuned to The Church and State Show. I'm Dave Pello. May all that you stand for and that we stand for be preserved under the providence of God for the happiness of mankind. The trouble is caused by unthinking people who carelessly throw away ageless ideals as if they were old and outworn machinery. But it is the values of individual liberty, equality before the law and the supremacy of people over the state to which we can always with confidence return as a powerful and uniting force. Australia is not a secular country. It is a free country. Welcome to the Church and State Show, Dean and Tanya Comerford. Well, it's great to be here. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Yep. Now, you guys are former pastors. Yes, pastored for many years, both in New Zealand and uh, here in Australia. Yep. And, um, but haven't for the last, well, once a pastor, always a pastor. Sure. To a certain degree. But you retired from vocational, congregational ministry. That's it. And uh, right <laughs> in the middle of COVID. Good time. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And primarily uh, because God called me to do that. But preceding that uh, was a very interesting time in my life where um, my mental health just sent me into a really dirty, great hole. Yeah. How much do you want to talk about that? Happy to tell you the story. Um, and look, I, I had been, I had my first midlife crisis at 25, which uh, possibly suggested a very short life. Um, but thankfully, um, you know, as we moved from 25 through to my 50s, I noticed that the, the circles were becoming, you know, the, the, the time between sort of depression, anxiety uh, and stuff became less and less and less. And uh, my 47th birthday was a dreadful time. But by the time, um, you know, I was in my early 50s, uh, COVID hit. And, you know, look, 14 days to flatten the curve, I'd have made it. Yeah. I'd have made it. But uh, five Even with bad mental health. <laughs> Even with bad mental health. Yeah, right. I would have gritted and got through. Um, but, um, you know, five weeks into a crisis that just seemed to be getting deeper and deeper and deeper, uh, I crashed. Now, of course, I came to realise it wasn't COVID's fault. Uh, it was just the catalyst. Um, ultimately, it was my childhood. Had not set me up. It had not... Um, I didn't have the right software installed in me to cope with a crisis. How did you come to realise that? Um, basically through the process. I, I'd been seeing a counsellor um, in Brisbane uh, for some time, about 18 months prior. And we'd already been exploring my childhood and some of those things. Uh, had a sneaking suspicion that 14-year-old Dino was, was, was the cause of a lot of the stuff that was going on. But came to realise that it was even earlier, uh, younger Dino in a sense. Um, that um, had really um, been impacted by a bunch of stuff in my family. Um, and I ended up, when I crashed, and I mean, we're talking crashed. I mean, I'm literally sitting, I'm the pastor of a large thriving church, sitting on my couch in a fetal position, holding my phone for two hours because my elders have texted asking to have a meeting with me about my mental health because my wife may have mentioned to them that they needed to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know how to answer it 
you know, this is so out of the box. I mean, I, you know, should not have been petrified by this, but I was. And I was waiting for Tani to come home and tell me what I could do, what I needed to do. Wow. Um, you know, um, and those who know me would know that's not me. You know, I'm a decisive, capable, strong leader who, yeah. you know, I just was not. And um, I didn't want to leave the house. I didn't want to be seen by anybody. Um, lockdowns helped, um, but, yeah. um, you know, and I, I just was petrified. I remember the first time I went up the street um, after this had all happened, and I was petrified about meeting people. So you know, Richard said to me, I can help you. I've recently trained in a very uh, exciting trauma therapy um, that, can, that can help you. And um, Was trauma a word that you felt fitted no, you? No, it was funny. Trauma says, like, trauma. Because that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking the average person now, if we're going to say trauma a lot in this show, the average person is probably going to go, eh, trauma, I haven't been to war. So I've come to realise, you know, if we segue for a moment, I've come to realise trauma comes in, uh, you know, we've got big T trauma. I've been to war, you know. Uh, I've been through a car, a horrific car accident. I was caught in a house fire, a bushfire. Big T trauma. And we all get that, you know. I've been abused physically, sexually, otherwise. Um, but actually the most damaging trauma is little t trauma really relational trauma the people who were supposed to protect us the most their parents not doing that well um and i didn't really i mean i knew i grew up in a somewhat dysfunctional family um that early part of COVID, and i came to realize isn't that like normal dysfunctional or really dysfunctional well i just thought it was normal moderate dysfunction you know um but I mean, I'd come, I'd understood for a number of years that my father was actually a pedophile. Wow. He hadn't abused me that I was aware of. So I wasn't, didn't think I was suffering from him that, but I knew he was. So that's obviously some significant d dysfunction there. Yeah, yeah. But I still thought my family was reasonably normal. You know, a common level of dysfunction. And I came to realize it, it really was not. Um, and that I was suffering um, a great deal more. Um, and, um, and so that relational trauma, you know, the people who are supposed to love us the most, who are supposed to protect us and care for us and nurture us, in my case, hadn't done that job. And in the, and in the work we do now, we've realized so, so, so many people. Mm. Um, it's like now, that. In the learning that I have obtained previously, especially through fathering adventures, um, I've understood the statistic that an overwhelming majority, if not all, nearly most um, parents or, or people have some kind of parenting wound. It's, it's almost unavoidable. Yes. Um, and it's not because we're fragile snowflakes and no. hypersensitive. No. It's, it's actually because we're children of imperfect people. Yeah, and we live because in a fallen we're, world. we're human. Yeah. yeah. You know, God made us very vulnerable, especially when we're young. We're very vulnerable, and that's that's when we get injured the most. So when, yeah. we're, when we're most dependent on people to protect us and love us and provide yeah. our needs, and when that doesn't happen, that creates the wrong software running our lives. So. Tanya sometimes says, if you unless you were raised by Jesus, you've probably got trauma. And I like to Fair. chip in. And if you were raised by Jesus, uh, you would have had an absent father. Uh, who got brutally murdered by the Romans, so you'd have trauma anyway. Um, so let's get back to Richard. So yeah, he's so, done some so trauma Richard, training. And, and look, I really probably wasn't even in a great space to make a decision to proactively say I, I need. It. I knew I needed it. Um, so with Tanya at my side, we made the decision we're going to do that. Um, and um, and for me, it was like I could spend a lot of money on counselling, you know. And and it, but you know, we were at a point where it's like I just need this. I just need. Um, I just need to be healed. And Funerals are more expensive. Yeah. and um, well, I, well, I, I said I would have paid a million dollars for you to be well. Not that we ever had any, no, anything And not like that, that it costs that much. But, but that's but, what I would have. So we did that. And, mm. and, and the results were insane. Um, literally three weeks later, I was an entirely different person. Wow. Uh, to the point that Tanya is writing a book at the moment uh, called I Got a New Husband in Three Weeks. That's so good. Hmm. As soon as that's available, we'll, we'll um, let yes. our viewers, watchers, listeners yep. uh, get the link for that. Hmm. Um, and it was just a 360 degree turn. But it wasn't just that what I was going through got reversed or healed. I was an entirely different human being. I was still Dino, but all of a sudden the, the sharp acerbic edges were gone. Um, in fact, you spent a month walking around the house going, 
Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> you know, I'm excited. You know, this husband has Super finally arrived <laughs> in my life. But you know, um, you know, this man always knew you could be. But, yeah. yeah, and and you know, um, and, and and most people, most people who knew me would go, "Oh, Dean's a good guy." You know, and and it's interesting. Um, I knew you long before yeah, this. Yeah, and mm. I yeah. liked who I knew. Mm. Um, and it's interesting. I heard someone recently say that you know most pastors, leaders, uh, bosses. Um, you know, ultimately, as we grow older and older and older, that we, we discover that the tools we use to get out of life what we need are often control, rules, and fear. And you think of some of the churches that we know around the country. You know, they're pastors. Control, rules, fear. Bosses. Control, rules, fear. Governments. Governments. Controls, rules, fear. Well, I'm not sure, and, and, and I've surveyed this with a few people, I probably didn't pastor like that, but I fathered like that and I husbanded like that. I can relate. And, um, you know, and, and the, 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 that fun, happy-go-lucky guy that a lot of people saw wasn't necessary. that's not the, the father my kids saw, mm. um, you know, an angry dad. And, um, and so all of a sudden those edges were gone mm. and, um, and it was childhood trauma. Um, little T trauma, uh, possibly some big T trauma. Um, in my case, and we've got an adult audience here, so we'll talk freely about it. But um, you know, I, I, my father was a pedophile. I have no memory of being abused by him. Um, but I remember the day, and this was before I had this crash, but I remember the day he said, you know, you've told me seven things that strongly suggest to me you were probably sexually abused. Really? Um, so, you know, um, it was quite overwhelming. Uh, I remember a school chaplain friend saying to me, "That's that's." If you were a kid in my school presenting with those things, yeah, then that would be flag. red flag, red flag, red that's flag. That's incredibly me. confronting to have someone tell you, especially mm. when you have zero memory of it, because uh, you have zero. Memory and it was of very it. confronting. And actually, it, it, I, I wouldn't. I remember for a whole week, I just went, "I'm a survivor." I'm a what? It did my head in for a while, but. Um, yeah, so that, that was how we kind of, I guess, you know, came into this uh, place of, of, of being trauma therapists and so forth. Uh, and Tony can perhaps tell her side of the story for mm. me. Well, I mean, when, when I saw Dean completely change in three weeks, I just said to him, whatever you have just done, I need to do that for my clients. I need to be able to offer Because you were that. a counsellor. Mm. You were a nearly trained counsellor at that point. So I was already seeing clients with trauma and I just thought, well, you know, ethically I can't know that there's something that can resolve trauma in three weeks and not offer it to my clients. You know, that didn't sit well with me. And, yeah, sure. you know, it was it was our lived experience. I mean, I, I saw with my own eyes, I could not deny with my own eyes how Dean had completely changed. You know, his nervous system, instead of being up in fight, flight and freeze, it was right down. He was just calm again. He was just living in that place that every human being should live with a regulated, calm nervous system. And I just went, wow, I've got to train in that. And it was fascinating it happens in the middle of COVID because, you know, um, you know, we get to the second half of COVID uh, where, you know, government control, rules, fear, uh, really kick in. And um, um, I chose not to be vaccinated. Um, for my own personal reasons in that space. And um, I couldn't go to a cafe, I couldn't do all these things. Old Dino? I'd have punched a barista's lights out. And I was a, and I was a pastor. I would be that angry that you won't give me a cup of coffee yeah. in your cafe. I would, because bullying was just, was just a trigger for me. And, you know, um, I remember saying to my elders a number of years ago at the church I was leading, I said, don't ever back me in a corner and give me no options because ugly Dean will arrive, you know, angry mm. Dean will arrive. And it's just this, the pain that was inside you would just spill out. Pain. It would just spill out. I've heard you relate, describe something that I can relate to, and that is as a parent, as a Christian parent, as a Christian leader parent, um, you had pretty strict rules in the house, pretty high expectations of behaviours and, um, and pretty disciplinarian. Yeah. And, I, and that, that's exactly how I raised my kids. And, and I know a lot of men and women who, who are like that. But, but it was ultimately, I, I'm trying to control my world because if it gets out of whack, you know, who, who am I and, and all of that. Mm. Um, and, um, and, you know, and whether it's parenting, whether it's, you know, 
COVID rules, whether it's um, whatever. Um, um, you know, I'm trying to control my world. Uh, you know, sidebar, two years afterwards, I got on a plane for the first time and all of a sudden realised I don't have a fear of flying anymore. You were afraid of flying? I was afraid of flying. I, unfortunately, the, the older you got, the, the more fearful. More and... fearful I've got. Really? Because I'm trying to control my world. And, and right now, there's Catch a guy the I don't you. know at the front of this metal tube who's in charge of me. Yeah. And I don't know if I can trust him or whatever was going on for me. Yeah. But all of a sudden, my fear of flying is gone. Um, you know, there was something just recently. I was, uh, oh, they've put a really big Ferris wheel in Harvey Bay where we live right now just for six months. Huge big Ferris wheel. <laughs> I can't wait to go on it. Old Dean would have never been going anywhere near it. Oh, so um, all sorts of things change, just massive change in my life. Wow. Because um, fear just falls away. Yeah. When, when you've dealt with the fear you've been carrying for a long time because of all the trauma and the pain and the stress, the fear just falls away. All the so triggers. you're now both trained in yes. this, uh, in what, the, what's it called, the Richards, oh, yeah, it's, Well, it's a therapy, so a okay. process. So it's called the Richards Trauma Process. Mm -hmm. TRTP Therapy is the new website for it. Yep. Yeah. The Richards Trauma, trauma Process, TRTP. Okay. Um, and look, it's it's an amazing therapy, literally in three weeks. And we have seen client after client after client. Tell me about the the premise, the the overview of why it's different and effective hmm. compared to other existing uh, uh, therapy options. Hmm. Well, I guess I mean the the big part of it is that. You know, of our of all our brains processing, only five percent of our brains processing is conscious, logical, and rational. And the other ninety-five percent of our brains processing is all the things we're not aware of, all the unconscious processing that we've got going on inside us. Now we need all that because we don't want to have to say to our legs, left, right. We don't want to have to say to our lungs, breathe in, in breathe out. out. <laughs> so we just need yeah. all those automatic processes. You know, they all need to be there. But in those automatic processes is all the injuries. It's all the beliefs that we've, you know, children from, from you know, even in the womb to seven or eight years old, we're just sponges and we soak up everything from our perception because we're egocentrical when we're young. So if something sad happens or distressful happens, yes. <laughs> but you know, children turn in a negative experience. It's me. There's something wrong with me. So I deserve true. to be punished. Mm. You know, there's, there's, you know, I'm not lovable. These That's are the a common uh, thing to observe in yes. children of divorce. Right. To, yes. to yeah. say, what did I do wrong? Yes. You know, I'll be I'm good. I'm to blame for. Together. I'm the reason mum and dad got divorced. A friend in New Zealand who makes the statement: uh, children are excellent recorders of information lousy interpreters mm. and so those little sponges are, are soaking up all that information mm. processing it in their tiny little brains and making wrong conclusions in some cases mm. so we have all those beliefs we so in our unconscious the part we're not aware of in our brains processing you know that's where we've formed all these beliefs about ourselves very young that are you know any negative experience children turn it into it's me there's something wrong with me um, I deserve to be punished, I'm not lovable, all those kinds of beliefs. So we have those running inside of us. And then every negative experience, you know, this is our brain's ability to, you know, for example, to process a normal event. So if it just normal everyday event comes along, it fits inside our brain, it gets date stamped, gets long-term memory. But when things, particularly when we're young, are very overwhelming, very distressing for us, they're just way too big to fit in. So then it doesn't get processed, it doesn't get date stamped, doesn't get put into long-term memory, so it stays stuck over here. So for all of us, we've got what we call video loops. It's just thing, it's still happening now. It's still mm. happening now. And that's the triggering that just takes us right back. So all of that is inside our unconscious running us. You know, our, our brain's um, primary purpose is to keep us safe. So if we've got an experience running inside of us that's saying it's still happening now, it's still happening now, you know, then our brain's trying to keep us safe from something that happened when we were two years old, and but we might be 52 now. Yeah. So if I'm trying to get a coffee from a vendor who's not allowed to sell it to me, I'm a 14-year-old kid back in my high school getting pushed up against the wall by a bully. Yeah, it sounds like the sensitivity a bruise would have. Yes. Mm. The injury might have been done ages ago, yes. but it continues and the bruise to is be never healed. sensitive. Mm. And, and every time after. someone pushes on it, oh. yeah. And that push wasn't the injury. No. It was just mm. the catalyst. Yes. So so the difference with the Richard's trauma process or TRTP that we do is that it's dealing with the 
injuries that are inside of us that and often people aren't aware of the actual injuries but the symptoms of it are turning up the depression the anxiety stress the PTSD the um, you know just um, being in fight flight freeze all the time like Dean was and just being o overreacting to things you know those are the symptoms that show us that we've got um, unprocessed stuff inside. We all have baggage, you know, with nobody, nobody leaves their childhood with, without some kind of injury. Some people have a whole backpack full of, full of rocks and they're carrying the weight of their childhood and the pain and the distress. Others just have some, but we're all carrying things that aren't helpful for us because, you know, if we can be triggered by something, we can overreact to something, then we're not calm, we're not regulated, we're not responding in a healthy way, yeah. you know. So, um, so, so that's what, what kind of um, I guess evidences, case studies were you made aware of prior to uh, taking the plunge to train in it? Um, well, the process itself. This, I mean, right now there's a university in Melbourne that has that is now doing the research into it. Um, so you know, this, it's a baby therapy. It's been around ten years, um, but we see the evidence you know, with our own eyes, everyone that's trained in it, we're seeing the evidence of it working, but it's yet to be um, researched and have documentation behind it. But the but trauma is something that's, you know, understood in my counsellor training. I mean, there's so many books on trauma, but it's something that's never really been understood um, as well as it is being understood now. There's so many people, and there's 19-year-olds turning up to me saying, I've got trauma, you know, I don't want to carry this for the rest of my life. I don't want the impact of my childhood impacting, you know, who I choose for my husband or wife or partner or and how I treat my children, you know. I don't want to carry this mm. feeling inside of me for the rest so of my life. So there's a growing general acceptance of yes, the, that we've all got the trauma. presence of trauma mm. that people are it's entering non-counsellors' vocabulary. Yes, yes. And I, and I mean, 19 year olds coming and telling me, you know, I don't want this in me anymore. I want to feel good. I want to feel peace. I want to feel joy. I mean, so many people come to me and they just say, I just want to feel, I want to feel joy. You know, mm -hmm. I've never felt that in my life or I used to feel it, but I haven't felt it for a long time. You know, they're aware of what they should have. Yep. And, they're, and they're saying, that's not, that's not what it feels like for me. That's not what life feels like for me, but I want that. And I celebrate that, that, you know, that there are young adults very aware of trauma now mm. and they're just saying, you know, I'd like it resolved and I'd like it filed away. Save the date, Friday 11th of August. In Brisbane, I'm going to be discussing a big idea with special guest Senator Malcolm Roberts. This is a live studio audience event and you're invited to be part of this inaugural opportunity. Everything in private and public life is affected by the answer to the biggest question of all, who or what is God? Rights, responsibilities, liberty, morality, truth and justice are all impacted by the final authority on such questions. If God is real, that changes everything, whether we like it or not. So save the date, Friday 11th of August. In fact, head to churchandstate.com.au right now and grab your ticket. You can save 20% on the listed price with the code CAS20. That's code CAS20. And you'll save 20% on your tickets there. Save the date, Friday 11th of August, and join us for a wonderful evening discussing big ideas with Senator Malcolm Roberts. And, and so if a parent comes to you and says, um, I have a child that's exhibiting um, destructive social behaviours, harmful mm. so social behaviours, maybe sexual confusion or gender confusion or, or other things that are still you know very very concerning mm. um, and the parent says I think they're responding to traumas mm. um, in in their life mm. uh, as, as well as negative social influences mm. um, how what's the process really for and the advice and, and the counsel that you would give that parent on on how to interact with their child to to neither affirm harmful behaviour, uh, nor overreact. Hmm. Well, the thing is that every, 
you know, every parent is carrying their stuff that's interfering with how they parent their child. And the fears that they've got with inside them is also reacting to how what's happening in their child. And so that if any parent comes to us and says, my child has trauma, you know, can you help with it? We, our process is always, and it makes logical sense to me, that we that what we need to do is to, is to work with the parent first. So the parents, you know, like Dean's nervous system was stuck up in fight, flight, freeze, you know, so he was trying to control, he was trying to... You know, he was fearful about things and angry about things, you know. So what, if Dean, if that was our example, Dean needed to do the trauma therapy. So his nervous system dropped right down. He could be calm and regulated and then he could parent that child from a place of safety and connection mm. and warmth, yes. not fear and reaction. And if I had a rebellious child or a, or a child who was, you know, acting out in some way, it wouldn't actually be them. It would be me because they're a thermostat. You know, they're the one measuring the temperature of what's going on in the home. Um, and so um, actually working on me would be the smartest thing to do so, the, so that I can parent differently. So the greatest gift to a child or to a teenager is to actually have a home where, ner where the parents' nervous systems are regulated, are safe, they're calm. And then often when we've worked with the parents, then the child changes. Yeah. You because know, the parent is now parenting from a whole different place, you know, a place of compassion, a place of, of you know, boundaries, but appropriate boundaries, not overreactive boundaries. And so when the parents, you know, when they've done their work, then the home, the, the, the you know, environment of the home changes, you know, to be a place of safety and comfort and security for the teenager, for the child. And uh, part of me is a little bit, skeptical that it could be that easy that, mm, yeah you know like we understand like it's the parents fault I, I, I wouldn't put see and i don't want it to come across i don't want us to come across as it's their fault you know the reality is we live in a fallen world and and um you know we act in fallen ways and we're carrying i, and, I actually kind of wish it was the parents fault because it's a whole lot easier to fix yourself well, than yes. somebody else and i guess that's that's what we're saying is that actually you know we can positively impact our children's lives right now by dealing with the the stuff that's going on for us um you know and and you know like i said before i mean why was i getting angry with my child or getting angry here or there well, because you know, I, it felt like bullying for me. It was just that memory going around in the wrong part of my brain. But what if it was just the child was being naughty? Well, I probably would have dealt with it differently. I probably would have dealt with it in a much calmer way. So you're in not a much saying more proactive way. anger is never justified? I think a, that anger is a normal part of human life. but Appropriate, you know, and, and anger that's a regulated anger of, you know, that's not okay. You know, that's the kind of anger. But if it's a yeah kind of anger, you know, I, yeah, that's so not... I, I'm trying to help make sure nobody misinterprets <laughs> yes, it by, by doubling down on the clarification. There's yeah. victim anger where because someone we, attacks someone. That's not appropriate I, anger. I, I, I don't... Yeah. I, I mean, I would... While I understand I have had an anger problem and have had to work really hard on it. Hmm. Um, that wouldn't mean that the polar opposite of complete, relaxed, laissez-faire, you know, do what you want kids, yeah. um, unregulated home would be healthy either. No, 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 hmm. and there's always balance. And here's the other interesting thing. Um, you know, and it's really interesting, as Christians often, we get down on, on certain types of antisocial behavior or, or, or situations. Um, you know, for example, you know, we, we get very upset with drugs, alcohol and stuff like that. You know, if, if we saw someone... Sex you know, and rock and roll. Yeah, drugs, sex, <laughs> rock and roll. You know, um, I'm morbidly obese. That's as grievous a sin, <laughs> you know, because I, I haven't been able to control my food intake over the years. And it's something I'm now getting under control. Uh, and, and so um, it's, you know, it's kind of like we, we, we love to down on some and not on others. But actually, all of these things are symptoms. You know, the really angry parent could produce an incredibly passive child or an incredibly rebellious child. Or both. Or both. <laughs> One of each. <laughs> um, you know, and, and you know, I've had clients go, you know, oh, as a kid I was a, a complete hellraiser. You know, I used to do all these dangerous things. And I go, well, of course you did, because it's better to be in trouble than just to be invisible. Um, 
you know. And when you said naughty kids before, I would say, why is the child being naughty? And are we labeling it naughty? Or is it actually that their nervous system is just responding to, I don't feel safe, I don't feel loved, I'm not getting the attention that I need. So they're actually responding to the environment that they're being raised in. Mm. You know, if a child is raised, if they feel safe, if they feel secure, if they feel loved, adored, and protected in an appropriate way, and they've got a sense of freedom, then often that child just thrives and grows and has a regulated nervous system. And what we call naughty is, or good, is good is often that they just calm, content, because their needs are being met. And naughty is because is not, I wouldn't call it naughty as so much now, I would just say that the child is responding to the things they don't have, either you know forms of abuse or forms of neglect, and they're just out of control because they, you know, if they've had their needs met, you know, then a child is, you know, as they thrive and they grow and they respond. Yeah. So children, are, you know, they grow, they respond to the environment about, they, uh, they're you know, raised in. Yeah. There are certain behaviours that justify yes. a negative response. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's how we bring that negative response. Mm. It's how creative we can be and how caring we can be. In yeah, it wasn't meant to be a label so much as a moment. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things we never do is, you know, we're actually fairly uninterested in the actual behaviour because it's what's it's what's causing that behaviour. Mm. That's the key The thing. why. You know, why is it? You know, just because, like I said before, one person does this, one person does that. Um, and in fact, a classic example, I this is long before TRTP and one of my earlier kind of moments, um, I was seeing another counsellor and, and I decided I needed to give up my massive addiction to TV. You know, that's another socially acceptable one in the church. It doesn't matter if you watch too much TV. Mm. Nobody's going to care. Um, and But I was watching way too much TV. I was absolutely addicted to it, to the point that I kept a spreadsheet of which show I was watching, which season, which episode I was, you know. And I had come to this place where I'm going, this is wrong. This is just so bad. I need to get rid of it. I deleted the spreadsheet as I prayed with this counsellor at the end of a session. It was an online session in my own home. And I stood up. It took about 10 seconds for my brain to totally want a bottle of alcohol that was sitting in a fridge in the garage. Hmm. Go drink that, go drink it now. It was, and, and you, know, you know, some Christians would go, oh, demon. I just think it was a brain that went, he just got rid of the one thing that keeps us calm. What are we gonna do now? That is <laughs> you know, your coping mechanism. It was my coping, I, my brain, my subconscious mind was going, he just kicked that coping mechanism to the curb. What are we gonna do now? There's a bottle of booze there. Let's drink that. Mm. I did go and get that bottle of booze, actually, and I tipped it straight down the sink because I didn't trust myself with it. Recognised it. Um, because behind every addiction is pain. Always and, and pain. And Dean hadn't dealt with the pain at that point. This was before he'd done the trauma I just, therapy. I just got rid of an addiction, so my body wanted another one. Because he hadn't then what got I did, to the root of it. Then what I did with, um, you know, with TRTP therapy is I got rid of the pain. It was dealt with. Yeah. So... We're fascinating creatures. We really are. It's just, it's amazing how, you know, we're body, we're emotion, we're mental, we're relational, we're spiritual. All of that's all a package that, and each part of it influences this part so of us. This is so true. I, I just came back from a, uh, a seminar about education and curriculum. And one of the poverties in modern education is the lack of regard for the child as a whole person, mm. including the soul and the spirit, mm. and, and what God says about who we are, mm. our dignity, our sanctity, our, our difference from animals, free will, uh, moral mm. um, compass. Mm. You know, the, just the, 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 the fact that children are so disembodied from their identity, uh, you know, it comes into the, the sex training. There's none of none of the um, slip of the tongue but that's pretty much accurate what it is the sex training or the the curriculum under various health guises um, it, none of it treats them as a person and talks about the emotional health and emotional consequences mm. of all of these physical behaviors mm. um, and negative or positive mm. um, and as in designed or or not yet not designed at all um, and this is so important to just acknowledge. Uh, and as a society, if we're not talking about the treatment of the soul, uh, and we're only talking uh, about the measurable and, and visible um, and, and testable, then 
Mm. Um, we're, we're, we're only going to be dealing with half the person. See, we mm. love dualism in our world, in our Western world, you know, and we talk about body, mind, and soul as if they're three separate things. But they're one integrated one thing. One person, yeah. We, we've literally seen, not that we would ever, you know, it would be wrong for us to ever suggest that, that you know, you could do a therapy like this and receive a physical healing, but we've seen people literally have their physical health changed almost overnight as a result of because dealing their with pain, their emotional pain. Their emotional pain is causing physical pain, yeah. Mm. You know, um, um, you know, yeah. So um, we, we, we are this whole integrated being, and the ancients knew that. You know, the, the Hebrews saw it as an integrated whole. Um, and, and yet we tend to like to split everything apart. You know, it's my mental health. Well, actually, my mental health is affecting my emotional, relational um, life, and it's affecting my physical being. I mean, you know, why am I morbidly obese? You know, because I, my mental health needed to medicate, and it, food was a really healthy one. Or an unhealthy or an unhealthy one. one. <laughs> Sorry, it was a, an easy it, one. An easy one. That's the word I was trying to. Look. <laughs> it wasn't healthy at all. Yeah. Politically correct one. So, yeah. so yeah, you know. So, um, you know. But we, in the in the trouble in the churches, we go. Well, that's really bad. Oh, that's okay, and we we turn a blind eye to certain behaviours and medications. Why is that? Well, I don't know. I remember. I used to remember. You know, teasing my elders a little bit about it. I say, you should sack me. Why should we sack you? So I'm morbidly obese. We, we can't take you for that. I said, well, I'm clearly a glutton. That's a sin. And I'm clearly unrepentant about it. Because I keep eating. Do you think that's accurate? Well, no, I actually think the reality is I knew it was a sin. And I think actually some <laughs> of the... Do you think you were actually a glutton? Oh, no, I am. I'm very gluttonous. I have been very gluttonous. And, and, and so... But you see, we don't, we don't care about that. You know, you go to most church potlucks. They're huge. <laughs> and, and so... But you see, and I might be making light of that one particular thing, but... You know, we do tend to go, oh, that's bad, or oh, that's not so doesn't bad. doesn't feel like you're making too light of it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, but, but... But again, it was just another symptom of just, you medicating the pain. Yeah. You were eating, watching yeah. a lot of TV. When you got rid of the TV, your yeah. mind needed the alcohol. It was just you were just trying to medicate the pain, but and, the answer was And to the trouble is, as a pastor, you've got to find socially pain. acceptable medication, don't you? You know, I can't go out and get drunk. I can't go out and do drugs. Um, you know, because <laughs> I would be milk. found out, you know. So, so I ate. Um, I've had addiction to pornography in the past. Um, and, and that's a very common one for Christian men because they can do that in secret and hide it. Mm. And so, um, but to me, once again, it's not what they're doing. It's that they're medicating something. What are you medicating? We can fix that. Mm. We, can, we can actually um, heal that. Um, because it's a, it's a subconscious mental routine that's going around like a video loop, Groundhog Day, over and over and over again. We don't know that we're not six and that's hap not happening anymore. Mm, interesting. And so the Richards trauma process uses imagination. You know, our, our imagination is a gift from God. You know, it's, there's not one thing, you know, here in this world that someone didn't imagine first before they created it. Right. You know, and so it uses our imagination to be able to heal because our imagination takes it, you know, it's away from our conscious, logical, rational part of our brain. Our imagination is in the unconscious part of us, you know. And so that's where, through using the imagination, we're able to bring resolve to the beliefs, the negative beliefs we've formed about ourselves, replace them with the truth. We're able to, to resolve those distressing video loops that are still going round and round and round. And um, yeah, and in, in, in the first session it deals with the negative beliefs. The second session deals with the distressing experiences that were it's still happening now, still happening now. And our third session, that's where they get to imagine their future. When I don't have all the baggage, I don't have all the pain and the distress and those lies from my past, I'm now free yep. to be who I was always meant to be. Yeah, and it literally happens that fast. We just see client after client after client who in two three weeks, you know, um, they just sit and go. You know, I've had, you know, recently had a client who came wanting to take his life. and Because it was his later, only option. It was too much pain or they didn't, they didn't know there was a third option. two weeks later he's going, why would I want to do that? Yeah. I've got everything to live for. Yeah. So, so what a lot of people will not want to do is a counselling process where they have to 
get on the couch and yes. relive yes. their childhood traumas yes. all and, over and again. And we do not do that. This is the beautiful, well, one, I mean, the whole thing's beautiful, but one of the things that is very key for a lot of people is they do not have to talk about the things from their past. We do not re-traumatise people. We don't, have to, we don't get them back into um, reliving what happened. So that's for a lot of people, oh, I don't have to talk about it. I don't mm. have to go back and... And it's quite scary that, being that vulnerable and yes. and having to yes. go through all that emotional yes. so it's a, pain again. It's a very safe because there's so many people actually get re-traumatized through, you know, thinking I've got to do I've got to do trauma therapy, I've got to deal with this, but our process does not does not do that. You know, we're very a, safe. A simple list of the simple things that have you know, uh, sorry, a simple list of the things that you've experienced. That's it. And uh, and we know what to do. And mm. we know we know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. No, so for a lot of people, the relief that, oh, I don't have to talk about it. You know, they may have talked about it, you know, with that counsellor, with that therapist, with that, and they go, oh, I do not want to have to talk about that, bring that all up again. And the other thing is they don't have to come in and sit on our couch because we're, we're <laughs> we dealing don't have with their imagination. So <laughs> the therapy, the, the, the critical part of the therapy is done with their eyes closed. Are there a lot of TRTP qualified mm. therapists around yeah, Australia? Probably about 200. Mm. Okay. And, um, and, and and it's actually there's now people training around the world because they're hearing about it. It's based in so Judith Richards who designed the process, um, she's based on the Sunshine Coast, um, so it's grown from there. But there's a lot of people around Australia now trained. But beyond that, there's um, you know Judith's been travelling in in the states telling people about TRTP. They're fascinated with that. So we've already got people from therapists from the states training. Mm in TRTP so mm. and what I was going to say is it works beautifully online yes because you know as long as you can hear my voice the advice the counsel yeah um, because it's a journey we take you on a journey we literally help reprocess all of that information yep. in a journey help that information get into the right part of your brain date stamped and if it's date stamped and sitting in the right part of your brain it's no longer a threat to me I'm safe mm. you know I could, I, I literally right now, I could, I could bring up every horrible thing that's ever happened to me in my life, and there's not an, there's not an ounce of energy left in it. There's no emotional there's charge. There's not an emotional so the, charge. There's so no the memory's energy. not gone. It's just there's no yeah, pain attached it. to it. I just don't care about it anymore. It's like a it's shopping just, list now, isn't it? Yeah. In fact, it was interesting at Christmas time. I think it might be February. We were in New Zealand, um, uh, visiting family, and. Um, the plane uh, ride was okay? The plane ride. <laughs> three plane rides. Was, I was actually helping someone else who was traumatised by it. <laughs> it's all right, buddy. We're going to be just fine. You know? And, um, and, and um, but I, 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 someone, we were in a car with someone and their daughter was dealing with something. And it raised for me a memory that, that on the list of, you know, horrible things that have happened in my life, it would be 368. You know, it was like nothing. And this, this little memory got evoked of something that had happened to me that wasn't pleasant but wasn't a biggie. And all of a sudden it rose up and I thought, oh, is that what that feels like again? You know, that I could feel that emotional charge rising up. And literally, because of the process that we do, I sat in the front seat of the car and dealt with it in one minute. Wow. And right now, as I remember it, there's nothing, I, I could care less about it. So what I'm hearing is it's, it's like a toolkit yeah. that you're giving people to self-heal. Well, only, only it's not. Yeah, and the, I mean the thing for a lot. It's it's like it is a process that is complete. But if the like Dean said, there was one little three hundred and sixty-five memory there somewhere, <laughs> um, it, it was still lit because in our process we don't have. Once we deal with the three most distressing experiences, the rest just fall away. They just all get filed away. And um, but for <laughs> Dean, there was one little one left. But he now has the toolkit. If there was anything left behind, he knows what to do. So I was, I was just shocked by that feeling doing. I hadn't felt for a while. I went, oh, I'm going to deal with that. That's, that's, that's actually, um, because of the contrast, yeah. it's actually really exciting. It was obvious. It? Yes. Yeah. It's the opposite of confronting. It's, yes. yeah. it's a pleasant surprise. Look, most yes. of our clients <laughs> finish right. a session, like this. Yes. You know, they'll open their eyes at the end of a session and they go, oh, oh my gosh, that feels so good. Mm. I feel you know, light and free. I'm, I feel amazing. So instead of being in the, the permanent fight or flight tense, yes. ready Their nervous systems drop right down to calm. Where you don't know what it's like to be calm mm. and mm. you just think what you your normal is normal, mm. but it's not. 
and the polyvagal antenna that's up. Polyvagal, what, the, if, what does that mean? The, poly, the polyvagal <laughs> nervous, nervous system. system. It's part of our central nervous system. Nobody it, watching it, you with that. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like, it's like an antenna that's up on the head going. Am I safe? 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 And the reason that antenna's up is mostly for stuff that happened before we were seven or eight years of age. Yeah, yeah. And so what you're saying is, is the after is the, the opposite effect. That instead of not knowing what karma's yeah. like, now you yeah. don't know what. Mm. Yeah. Stressed is like. And a healthy nervous system, when, you know, if we go through, through something stressful, like if we left here now and we had a car accident, you know, in a, in a normal healthy nervous system that we're down and calm, obviously the stress hormones, the cortisol, the adrenaline would get pumped into our body because this was a stressful moment. But once it was over, self regulation kicks back in and our system just drops back to calm. It's over. And I'm safe now. But people who have had so much trauma, Normal so much to trauma. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But but when people have had, and we all have had, you know, all these experiences, but if we've had too many, we get stuck up in this, I'm not safe, stuck in that fight, flight, freeze. So self-regulation is just not, it gave up a long time ago, it decided it needed to keep us heightened in this stress state. Um, so, and that's what we do with people instead of, and Dean was very much stuck up in fight, flight, freeze all the time. The tiniest thing would just trigger him, would just trigger him. And now he's just down and calm as he should be. And it's wonderful. And it changes. It changes awesome. your relationship. It changes how he feels. It, it's mm. just um, the environment in our home has changed because he did it. And then when I did it as part of my training, it's just like, this is, is there so good. a is there a like you're about to write a book is the mm. book going to help a lot of people um go through the learnings and and get the tools that they need um with some education as opposed to the actual therapy process no because you have to do it with a trained therapist so it's not the, i won't be giving what the therapy is but i'll be telling our story of what our life was like before right what it was like after the things that I've understood and learnt through that, the differences in our childhood and the impact that had on how Dean responded to things, how I responded to things. So there'll be a lot of comparison in, you know, the in our in our child the things we just weren't aware of um, that that then impacted how we related as husband and wife, how we related to our children. Yeah. And just how different our life is after all that stuff that we've both been carrying. Um, through our lives is all gone and we can just be you know who we are now you know we can just be I think an important question because I'm I'm uh, alert to the the frequent uh, inclination we have in this society as Christians to mingle religions and and philosophies with with the truth mm. and, and with the way God designed us. Mm. So it has to be asked, um, and I, I expect the answer, but I, I want you to articulate it how you want. Um, is there any kind of new age um, philosophies or, or you know, the, the even the Freudian weird stuff that he had, you know, everything's your mother's fault kind of um, <laughs> uh, in, in this process at all that as, you know, mm. orthodox conservative the Christians... That yeah, the therapy is is not overtly Christian in any way, shape, or form. You know, we won't mention God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit. But the fingerprints of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are all through it. Well, that's like medicine and science because God designed us. Yes. Anybody who yeah. doesn't believe in God can yeah. look at us and figure how. Yeah. And it, this is a very put it back how it's meant to work. Yeah. And this is a very science-based um, process. So yeah, it's, there's a lot of science it's come out behind of it. The you know the, the the I guess the research and the understanding that the psychological world has come into in the last 20, 30 years. Mm. Um, you know, it may not have been possible a generation ago to have come up with a therapy like this because we just didn't know what we know. Yeah. And so um, yeah, no, it's um, completely um, as a pastor, you know. As a former pastor, I have no issue. Many, many Christians getting actually involved in delivering and becoming practitioners, training. Brilliant, brilliant. So, so uh, for all the parents watching at home who go, you know what, I could really be a better parent. I, mm. I have responses to my children that I have really regretted mm. and, and don't want to do that anymore. How can I be intentional mm. about, about going through this myself? Mm. Um, how can they find a TRTP um, therapist, counsellor, practitioner? Um, they can go to uh, TRTP Therapy. Mm -hmm. I believe that's the name of the website. We just changed it recently. 
Uh, now that'll show them every practitioner in the it's country. It's not your business. No, no, that's no. that's so there'll be practitioners up and all around Australia, and um, they'll find pretty, now pr- those practitioners come from all sorts of walks of life, all backgrounds, all different religious and other views. Okay. I mean, there's doctors trained in it, physiotherapists, counselors. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's, and it's not to say that, you know, while we might be, you know, pastors and Christians doing it, that it, there isn't a, a Ricky healer doing it as well or something weird, right? So, you know, buy beware, look at the practitioner and pick, pick someone that you're comfortable with. Um, and But like I say, it's also a brilliant therapy online. So you don't have to be doesn't in doesn't even have to be in your... No. And, and some of them only, some practitioners only see clients online because they don't actually have a, mm. um, a counselling room. And, um, but our business is called Nourish Mind, Soul, Body. We've got a Facebook page. We will have a website. Um, and yeah. What's your, what's your Facebook page where people can contact you if they want to join the queue? Yeah, so it's called Nourish Mind, Soul, Body. So it's okay. all those four Nourish Mind, Soul, Body, four words. And we've got a green tree and um, with, a, with a brown trunk and the words Nourish Mind, Soul, Body. And, okay, so if um, you're listening to the podcast, look for those four words, Nourish mind soul body yes. in that order yes on facebook <laughs> and if you the tree, uh, the want to double check we got the details right then you should be watching the episode <laughs> head to davepillow.com uh, because the details are on the screen now very good thanks so much guys and thanks for the vulnerability of telling your story very happy um, to do so it's better than telling your client stories, which I'm pretty sure would be a no-no. <laughs> not allowed to. So many times I've been like, oh, oh, no, I can't tell you that. Can't tell that story. Thank <laughs> you very much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode of the Church and State Show. And don't forget to head to churchandstate.com.au and sign up to the newsletters there so you can be informed of the upcoming events in your neck of the woods. Up next, we have Perth, 4th and 5th of August, then Adelaide, 6th and 7th of October, and then the Brisbane Summit again, 8th and 9th of March, where people will be coming from New Zealand and Perth to meet in Brisbane for this big event uh, that's every year. It'll be the 7th annual Australian Church and State Summit. Uh, You can save 20% on your tickets by using the code GS20, GS20, a code exclusively for Uh, viewers and readers of the shows and content on The Good Source. And thanks again to the supporters who were very generous in their donations and enabled me to continue this ministry. God bless you and Australia. Today, we need a special kind of courage. Not the kind needed in battle, but a kind which makes us stand up for everything that we know is right, everything that is true and honest. We need the kind of courage that can withstand the subtle corruption of the cynics so that we can show the world that we are not afraid of the future.